We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, November the 19th, 2019. On today's show, former Gamecocks well player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single week to help me break down South Carolina's 30-6 to loss to the Texas A&M Aggies. We talk about everything from quarterback play, Brian Edwards' injury, effort on the defensive side of the football, Will Muschamp, the buyout, potential new head coaches, and much, much more. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders, they don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit, not only do they specialize in land financing, but they've been doing so for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. There's a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years, down payments are as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year is what they call patronage. They're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They're literally putting money in your pocket for you guys. They've got an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance. So guys, I know I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm sitting here thinking, I want to buy some land. I want to get a house. I, you know, maybe I want some farmland. Maybe I want some hunting land. But really, getting a mortgage, making that big time life decision, you know, is something you want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. You have the right people that you're teamed up with that are going to get you the best possible interest rates that are going to really take care of you throughout the entire process. Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. They are that company. They are the people. They're in your corner. They're on your side. They're going to do everything possible to need, that you need to take care of you guys. I actually had somebody, I know a friend of mine and his wife, they're looking to buy a large sum of land, 37 acres. They want to know how do you go about getting pre-qualified. So Ag South Farm Credit has a really easy system. They usually ask you to send some brief financials. They can give you a ballpark estimate to help further in your decision to buy land. That normally includes a recent pay stub, bank statements, last year's W-2s, you know, basic stuff that you would send in. Um, and that's going to give them they, what they need to run a brief analysis on your current financial situation. So pretty basic stuff, but they make it super simple, super easy to get in touch with a loan officer today and learn more. Call 844-AG-SOUTH or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. That's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South an equal housing lender, NMLS 619-788. Again, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S or give them a call. 
844-AG-SOUTH and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Also, this show is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, MyBookie is throwing up a great, great promo. We've been able to team up with MyBookie during Thanksgiving week. They're offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Guys, Thanksgiving's coming up. We all know it's Thanksgiving tradition. You get your turkey, your ham, your stuffing, whatever it may be. You watch some football too, right? You sit down with the fan, you watch some football. This year, you get a risk-free bet on Bears-Lions. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. And if you win, congrats. Obviously, you got some extra Christmas money, right? If you lose, guess what? Congrats to you as well. My bookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Guys, do you ever find yourself watching, whether it be college football, NFL, college basketball especially, just sports in general, you find yourself wanting to bet and you feel like you could be good at it, you feel like you could make some money, maybe you see a lot of your buddies do it, but you have a lot of questions. You've never done it before, or you've only gambled with a, with a local bookie, you've never done it online with a website like this, don't sweat it. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process and the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Guys, just log on to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOCKS. And mybookie is going to match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And guys, that's on top of the risk-free bet. So if you're putting in 250 for that Bears-Lions game, um, again, risk-free bet, they're going to match that 250. So you've got another 250 to play with. Really that simple. So again, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose, guys. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with MyBookie. And remember, with MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Joining me as he does each and every Tuesday to break down the Gamecocks 30-6 to loss to Texas A&M. Former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath. Alex played for South Carolina from 2005 to 2008. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about before we dive into everything, though. How was your weekend? How you been? Oh, it was good, man. It was good. Just spent the weekend chasing the children around the house, you know, acquiescing to my wife's demands to get the uh, Christmas <laughs> stuff out of the attic and the continualization of the bastardization of Thanksgiving. So, you know, that's just where we are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely getting that time. I've got people telling me they're doing their Christmas shopping. And I'm like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I, I've been watching way too much Disney Plus lately. That's kind of what I'm on now. So I've, I've Are actually, you into uh, Disney Plus? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I got the uh, so I've got Verizon as my phone carrier, and uh, they they're actually doing a year free of Disney Plus if oh, you're nice. like a member of the, or like a you have them basically as your carrier. So I did the the week free trial, found out about the Verizon thing, canceled the free trial, did the Verizon thing. So I've got it free. But oh yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a big big Disney Plus guy, big Disney guy. I've watched like almost all the old classics, and Boy Meets World is on there. If you remember that show, there's. A lot of there's a lot of quality content on Disney Plus. I think, and just speaking on, it, I think I would have rather watched Disney Plus than watch what happened Saturday night, which we're going to talk about. Um, 
South Carolina falling to Texas A&M 30-6. We're going to spend a lot of time, Alex, talking about Will Muschamp, the buyout, kind of the coaching search. I know that's a hot, you know, hot-button topic, as it should be right now and something we want to speak on. But let's really quickly first just break down this game in general. I mean, you take a look. The stats to me really speak. And I, I talked to you kind of off-air before, Alex, that this game – simply put to me, was at state just against a better team. I mean, everything that happened in that game was similar. You couldn't run the football. Ryan Holinsky, in my opinion, was asked to do way too much as far as throwing it 40-plus times. Defense gave good effort, but, you know, over time was eventually going to break. They were on the field for 42 minutes, which is crazy to think about. Coaching was bad. Of course, there was an injury. I mean, you take a look at this game. First off, I guess the question I'll ask you, have you ever sat through and watched a more – boring, for lack of a better word, pathetic performance than what you saw on Saturday night? It was a, it was a tough watch. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That, I don't I, I mean, yeah, probably not. I mean, that was a pathetic performance on many different fronts. I mean, defense held in there as best they could. But, you know, if you're on the field for 42 minutes out of 60, you're going to wear down eventually. And, of course, that's what happened. And, you know, it's just like watching it, and I'm sure you had the same opinion too. It's just like no one that was playing offense was on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like there were multiple balls that went in between two receivers. You know, somebody ran a post when they were supposed to run a corner, or at least that's what it looked like. So I, I don't even know what to say about the offensive performance in the, in that game, other than it was offensive. No, for sure. I, I want to ask you really quickly off the field about the Brian Edwards injury because that was something that I know I talked about on Monday's show about – I mean, maybe I am just not remembering correctly, but I've never seen anything like this where we're come as South Carolina fans, and this is not like a small sample size. This is since Will Muschamp got to South Carolina. You come into game day almost expecting the worst as far as finding out about an injury that we didn't hear about all during the week. You know, Will Muschamp gives his Tuesday presser. He has his call-in show. He updates injuries. And we never hear the full story, it seems like. I mean, you think about a couple weeks back, Shai Smith is ruled out on game day. You think this game, Brian Edwards, we literally find out he's not going to play like two hours before the game when he's not. He's in street clothes during warm-ups. I don't think this is something Spurrier did. And, again, Lou Holtz, it's too far really to think back. But, like, I don't ever – I've never seen something like this. I mean, have you ever been a part of, followed, coached for – have you ever seen a program where it's like injuries is like playing Russian roulette with this team? Like, you just never know who's going to play and who's not. No, but I'm sure in Muschamp's brain he's thinking this is giving him some sort of schematic advantage because the other team's having to prepare knowing that or at least thinking that Brian Edwards is going to be available and then you know game day rolls around he's not out there I have no idea why that would give you any advantage whatsoever um, other than maybe you spend you know time during the week trying to prep for him and then that you could have been spending somewhere else I mean truthfully you know the proliferation of legalized sports gambling throughout the United States is going mm. to put an end to this, which is why yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this, but you know, the reason you have to report on injuries all the time for NFL games and you have to list people throughout the week of where they are is for gambling purposes. Mm. So, you know, if that, you know, continues to come on full fledged, you, you won't ever see this again at the college game, but no, I've never, I've never seen anybody play hardball like this on injuries. Yeah, I mean, just from the gambling side of things, I mean, I'm somebody, again, I do the best bet every week, and 
you know, I think the listeners of the show are very familiar with, you know, what the spread is on South Carolina games and stuff. It definitely changes the game. I mean, Texas A&M opened as a 10-point favorite. It, sh- it shifted to 11 throughout the week. But, I mean, you took – I mean, because players are worth certain points. Like, if you take the quarterback right. out, it's X points. If you take, like, a playmaker like Brian Edwards out, I mean, that's probably a point-and-a-half swing most likely. So, I mean, it definitely makes a big difference. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Will Muschamp thinks he's achieving. If it's gamesmanship, if it, like you said, if it's – in some weird way in his brain trying to get an advantage. And I talked on the Monday show, like, he doesn't owe the fans anything because I know a lot of people speak out, well, Will Muschamp doesn't owe the fans an explanation on injuries. But, like, being known as a coach who doesn't tell the full truth on the injury front, like, that's not something positive to be known for, to be basically disingenuous about your football team. No. No, I mean, I mean it just speaks to a broader – issue within the program but you know that's just that's just par for the course at this point I don't I don't we can't ask him to change because he's not going to do that and if this is the way he wants to run everything that's the way he wants to run everything I mean it it, it certainly gives you pause if you were going to bet on the Gamecocks at this point just because you don't know who's going to be in there but you know outside of that I mean he's right he doesn't owe it to anybody but you know from a financial perspective you were gambling on those things it would be incredibly frustrating to have that kind of information withheld from you no for sure so I, I want to stay on the field because again we're going to get to the coaching stuff I want to stay on the field though and one thing I want to talk to you about Alex is the play of Ryan Halinski again I, I thought he was we talk about Ryan every single week I thought he was asked to do too much again because you couldn't I mean it speaks for itself 17 carries for 45 yards your leading rusher has 12 yards and your second leading rusher is your punter so something the running game is a whole nother issue in itself. But a point that I made on Monday, and I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. I think Ryan Holinsky's QB1. I like his game. I think a lot of the problems, most of the problems, don't start with him. It's more schematically. It's more just a flawed offensive philosophy down to it with the coaching. We, I think we both agree on that. But could I make the argument that – because, again, Ryan's number, 16 of 41, 175, no touchdowns, didn't turn the football over. But – a lot of his throws, it seems like, especially lately, he's making throws, and I'm like, where was that going? Like, who, who are you throwing that ball to? Like, is the miscommunication that bad with your wide receivers? Could I make the point that if South Carolina cannot throw the football any better than it has been with Ryan Linsky, and again, I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy or say it's his fault because I don't think it is, but if you can't throw it any more effectively than what you did Saturday night, wouldn't it make more sense to – let the carry-on joiner sort of take the reins of the offense? Because the only reason Ryan Linsky, when you think about it, the only reason he beat out Dak Joyner is because he can throw the football at a higher level than Dak Joyner can. I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with that. But you saw the carry-on joiner come in three for four for 40 yards, threw a dime. Granted, he did lead the guy right in the safety, so I think that's the thing everybody needs to remember. But he can throw the football at least well enough to be a threat I just think that if you can't – again, if you can't throw it with any more accuracy or with any, any better than Ryan Linsky's done, it seems to make more sense to me to give the carry-on joiner a chance because he is a true dual-threat guy that we know can make big-time plays with his legs. I mean, what, what is your thought on that? Do you think it's – do you think I'm crazy for wanting to see more of Dak Joyner? Or, like, what's your take on just kind of the whole quarterback situation? Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're crazy for that at all because all you're doing is really adding another dimension to your offensive production at that point. And, you know, if you're not getting the production out of the passing game or – and, again, you know, looking at it and, you know, certainly not trying to stoke the fires of a quarterback controversy, but, you know, to your point, like it looked like people were just running the wrong routes 
mm-hmm. or they weren't like where they were supposed to be. So if that aspect isn't there and you don't trust those guys to do the right stuff, you got to change something up and you're not going to run zone reads with Ryan at this point. Right. So yeah, I think putting Dak in would have, you know, been a substantial upgrade at certain points of that game, uh, you know, and, and you may know the answer to this question just because I've never, I, I've never seen any like high school tape on Ryan. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've seen tape, yeah, as far as on Ryan, yeah. Yeah, so, like, if, if you were watching him, like, if you can think back to his high school tape, you know, was he making a lot of throws on the run? Um, I mean, here and there, I mean, he's more of a pocket guy. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, he can make the throw on the run, but he is a pocket passer. Let's not get it twisted. It's for sure. Okay. He's comfortable making yeah. throws from within the pocket. Yeah, so, in, in watching the game Saturday and, you know, thinking back – to a lot of the games, you know, really since Missouri, since Alabama. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to stay on the island that he's not 100% healthy at this right. point. I don't, but, think that's a, know, I don't think that's a stretch. I mean. Certainly not. Um, but, you know, what, like watching him make throws, like he, his feet are never planted mm-hmm. when he's letting go of a ball. He's running his own read. And then, or RPO to try to get the ball out while he's still moving. And, you know, and that's why I wanted to ask you about the film from high school, because if he's making all of these throws in high school, standing still or reading the field or looking around, and all of a sudden we're going to push him into a system where he's having to fake a handoff and move before he throws the ball, Hmm. that's not what he's good at. And if, I, 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 it befuddles me that you wouldn't try to tailor the offense to his best strength. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what – I mean, just watching him Saturday, like, I don't think he took a throw flat-footed the entire time. Yeah. I mean, how, and, you, you, you played the position, and you've obviously played in an offense, but how much does that affect a quarterback's, like, footwork? Because I feel like at some point you're, you're developing really bad habits when, you're, when your feet aren't set and, you're, you know, your, your shoulders and body's not all lined up and square. And, I mean, because, I mean, I think of it back to, like, baseball. If you do the wrong thing over and over, no matter what you're trying to do, like, you're going to create some really bad habits, and it's going to affect everything from accuracy to arm strength to just, I mean, just all of it, it seems like. Well, yeah, because, I mean, mechanically, you're just going to get off because it's right. not what you're comfortable doing. It's not what you've trained to do your whole life. And then all of a sudden, you're kind of brought into the system and like, well, this is the way we do things. So you need to learn how to do this. And so you develop bad habits. You make a ton of overthrows. You underthrow stuff. You know, you start trying to think through everything you got to do before a play instead of just executing what's in front of you. So, you know, for overthrows or, you know, somebody running – the wrong route maybe they didn't run the wrong route maybe he got that confused from a different look it's just like it's too we, we just have no offensive identity and right. you know if we're trying to make a freshman comfortable like we need to figure out what he's best at and that's what we need to do and you know watching yeah you know, again i haven't watched this tape you have if he's making a lot of you know pocket throws or you know something where he's setting his feet before he lets it go that's not what we're doing right and we're not he's not going to have success doing that we're certainly not as a team going to have success doing that I have no idea what the philosophy behind it is but you're right I mean like if that's not what you're comfortable with you're going to form bad habits and then it's really tough to mentally at least get back out of those and you know truthfully thinking even further back than that you know the way Jake played as a freshman seemed to get worse and worse and worse and we seem to implement these types of systems over and over and over again. And Ryan and Jake are 
similar quarterbacks where they're not dual threat guys. They need to have their feet set to be accurate passers. And we continue to put them in positions where they don't get to make passes with their feet set. It, you know, it's so funny because it, it almost feels like this offense is like people used to say, you know, Lou Holtz, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like that almost, even when we throw it, that's kind of what it feels like. Um, you know, because you try to run, it doesn't work. And every pass, like we talked about last week, just seems to be within five yards of the line of scrimmage and everything you throw downfield. I mean, granted, Ryan did have the long pass to Shai Smith down the sideline, which makes me wonder why do we not do that more often? But uh, mm-hmm. everything seems to be within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and it just feels like it feels like a three yards in a cloud of dust offense. But now, just to your point, I mean, catering to a guy's skill set, like that's what I'm saying. At this point, like I almost feel like it'd be smarter to just give Dak Joyner the reins and let him just run the read option out of the backfield. I mean, something. I mean, just do something different. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and you know expect things to just all of a sudden change. Like I, I just. And like you said, it's it's unfortunate because, again, I like Ryan Holinsky. I think he's the guy. I think he's got arm talent. I think he could be a guy that plays on Sundays. But, again, when you're asking him to do stuff he's not comfortable doing, um, you're not going to get good results. I, I just I, I agree with you 100%. Um, really quickly, we'll touch on the defense because I don't want to leave the defense out. Um, I know we question this team's effort and toughness and just kind of their, their – their willingness to play, if you will, play four quarters and really show up. What, what did you think about the defensive effort uh, on Saturday night? Because, again, 13-3 to three game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think the defense really did all it could do. Guys like uh, J.J. and Igbari had really big games. I thought you saw guys flying around, but at, at some point it's just you're on the field for 42 minutes. Texas A&M's got playmakers. Kellen Mond's a good quarterback. They got a ton of good running backs, some good wide receivers. Like, at some point, they're going to score and wear down this defense. But, I mean, what did you see overall from the defensive effort on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, they, they're doing everything they can do, and they're doing it shorthanded. And, you know, you contained Texas A&M as best you could, given what the offense was giving you. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have clarified that before, you know, I, I said it looked like they had quit last week. You know, I, you know, the defense last week, too, you know, they weren't getting – shredded by any stretch of the imagination you know you had a pick six that got returned on you and then you know some other stuff but you know to go through the entire game and have it be 13-3 with 10 minutes left when you've basically been on the field for the entire time you know that's that's good effort on their part it's just I mean you know the offense just seems like it's checked out entirely so they're not getting any help on the other side I'm not going to assume that Steve Spurrier was watching that game Saturday night. Let's just pretend hypothetically, Alex, that he was. What do you think his reaction would have been to uh, Will Muschamp kicking a field goal down 30-3? to Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I, I'm he sure even, wherever he – He didn't like to kick field goals, period. Like, much less yeah. down 30 points. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, just – I'm sure wherever he was, if, if he was tuned into the game, wherever it was, I'm sure his eyes started to bleed shortly thereafter, just out of pure frustration. I, I, I just, I'd like more than anything, I'd love to have heard his press conference after that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would as well. <laughs> Spur, like I said, Spurrier hated kicking field goals, period, much less down 30 points. But let, let's talk about well, it. Kinda, we'll, actually, on that point, he wouldn't – like, I promise you, he wouldn't have said anything about uh, – we're taking this place to new – we're taking this program to right, new right, heights right. or we're going to get it fixed. He just would have been out there and just like, well, works not very damn good. Yeah. That's our fault. Sure. <laughs> Should have recruited different guys. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Let, let's let's talk about it. the coaching situation. I mean, that's really what this all revolves around at this point, the buyout, uh, who should be on the radar. I have one question for you, Alex, because I talked about it on Monday's show, but I was thinking about this with the buyout. You know, that's the thing everybody wants to talk about is all the 18 million. We don't have 18 million. Am I missing something in the sense that, you know, I understand that's a huge sum of money, right? But I think what people are, you know, and when you think about it, like South Carolina is not going to pay that up front, right? And that's something that's going to be divvied up over like a four to five year time span of, I think like I saw the breakdown, they'd give them 300,000 in December and then it's like 3.25 million or 3.5 million or three plus every year. Like how can people realistically tell me that South Carolina could not afford that with as much money as the athletic department makes? It's disingenuous. It's, it's, it's a facade, right? I mean, it, it, to me, yeah. it feels like a facade. Because, again, you think of all oh, $18 million. It's like they're not shelling out $18 million up front to the guy. Like, this is something they no. have years to pay back. No, no. And this is where a lot of the listeners can learn about deferred compensation. So, you know, what, what they'll do is they've got high-priced attorneys on retainer that are going to negotiate this with Muschamp's agent and say, look, you know, we're going to do, this is what we're offering you over this amount of period. If you don't like it, you can sue us, but then we're just going to tie it up for longer. So they'll negotiate it from that standpoint. And it probably like, honestly, at the end, it's not going to be 18 million. The thing that is, I mean, and two, like, you know, that's what, 10% 10% of our operating budget right. as an athletic department. So, I mean, we're not talking about, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but in relation to the amount of money the university makes on an annual basis on football, it's not. But, you know, the, the, like when people are talking about the buyout, it's like, we can't afford this, yada, yada, yada. You know, we'll fire, you know, we'll bring it back in 2020 if it doesn't get any better. You know, we'll just let him go then. And I, what I think everybody's kind of missing there is, you're going to spend the exact same amount of money. Mm. Like if you have to pay him through next year, you're still giving him that four and a half million or whatever it is. And then you're having to give him 14 if you fire him at the end of 2020. So like the the only additional cost you're talking about at this point is bringing on a new staff. Mm. Like the the money that you're going to pay Will Muschamp does not change. Mm. If you fire him today or if you fire him December of 2020, he's going to get, 18 something million, no matter what you do. So, you know, that argument that we can't afford it or that we could afford it a year from now is, is really a bad take and argument because the money's the exact same. You're still going to have really, to pay either way. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting, it's not like you're going to ride it out through next year. It's like, <laughs> Oh, well we can let him go now. That, I mean, that's not how this is going to work. You're going to pay him 18 million bucks. If you fire him, next year you just paid him four and a half to coach us to another five and seven campaign and and I just and I think too you know I'm sure this amount would sort of pale in comparison but you know I think too with just the way that you know and I know social media is not doesn't speak for the entire fan base because the fan base is huge but just the apathy that is set in within the program and people you know we talk about you know the Clemson game obviously upcoming people not even wanting to go just wanting to give their tickets away and it's like how much money are you going to lose in season ticket sales because I mean I don't think people with Will Muschamp returning as head coach in 2020 are going to be exactly you know chomping at the bit to go get you know renew their season tickets or go get season tickets or for example like I we talked about last week like all these suites you're building in the 2001 club, like 
I mean, who at this point is wanting to spend that money to do that? Like, how much money are they going to lose in that regard? And, again, maybe it pales in comparison, but, you know, it's still the facts in, in that regard of, of the monetary value that is it really worth bringing him back another year when you know he's not the guy anyways. Right. And, I mean, it goes back to the whole – I mean, sadly, probably not a ton, but – or, or just like what you'd lose from season ticket sales. I mean, right. look, you're you're going to lose some, regardless. Mm. And you know how much is that pushed down the line? The problem is, is like you, you're talking about like people selling tickets to Clemson fans to fill up the stadium two weeks from now. Like those tickets are already paid for. So the, I mean, like right. it seems as though our administration doesn't really care who's in the seats as long as it's paid for. So right. you know, I it's opportunity cost. It's looking at it from the standpoint of saying, what do we want this program to be? And are we willing to spend the money to go there? And the thing is, is that, you know, at least from a fan side, like, you know, everybody's going to get behind you and everybody's going to fill that stadium up. If you can go prove to everyone, like, look, we're trying to fix this. We want to get it back to where it was. And I, like, I remember um, it was a uh, fall camp in 2006 we were doing a scrimmage in August in the stadium that was open to the public. So, you know, there's probably 500 people out there watching us. And, uh, you know, ones were off the field, so twos and threes were running. So, you know, we came back off the field and, you know, ran some other guys out there. And I was, I was taking a knee next to – or we had scored a touchdown when we were out there. And so we were coming back off and they put some new guys in. And I was sitting there uh, taking a knee next to Mo Brown. And one of the fans in the stadium – brought a trumpet with him and started playing the fight song at the scrimmage after we had scored. Mm-hmm. Aaron Mo just looked at me and he said, like, no matter what, like we have the best fans in the entire world because mm-hmm. they show up through this stuff. And that's the case. Like we were selling out in 0-11 Lou Holtz campaign. And again, you're doing that because you've got somebody in there that the fans believe in. And the thing is, is like, even with Spurrier, when we were going, you know, on the early years when we were kind of struggling to break through, you had somebody that people believed in. And I think to this point, I mean, and you may be, have a completely different opinion on this from the people you talk to, but everybody I know that's a South Carolina fan has completely lost faith Mm, in this coaching staff, in this coach at this point. And that can spread pretty quickly. If, our administration doesn't do anything to remedy the situation. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty blunt and pretty honest on the show last week just talking about the situation, say that, you know, I don't know if you saw the clip, but with Spurrier, you know, we had hope because it was a guy that was yeah. a proven winner and had gotten it done before. And even, you know, 2007 when you have the terrible finish of the season and, you know, to, like you said, go through those rough years. I mean, I, I, talked about, I remember being in the stadium in 2008. I know you do too. I mean, a miserable day. That was a miserable game. And you just thought to yourself – is this, you know, is this the right thing? Is this going to get turned around? But you had at least that hope that, you know, this is Steve Spurrier. He, if there's anybody that's going to get it figured out, it's going to be him. And I think South Carolina fans, for them, you know, I, I don't think they all have, but I think for a, a good portion have lost that hope that this thing can, that he can be turned around. I mean, what, what you know, I, I would ask the person right now that's still on the Muschamp train that still thinks he's the guy, where do you pull that hope from that he can do something and be something that he has never been in his entire coaching career? Like where, where does that sense of optimism come from? Because I don't have it. I don't have it anymore. I don't believe, you know, I think Will Muschamp has proven who he is through stops at Florida and South Carolina. 
you know, you are, he, you just are who you are at this point. And I don't think just changing an OC or changing a strength and conditioning coach, I don't think any of that is going to change the biggest problem. You're putting a Band-Aid on a gash is the way I look at it. Like, yeah. You're not fixing the actual problem. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about kind of just the coaching search in general, you know, hypothetically, if this were to happen, you know, Alex, because I talked about on Monday's show, you know, I had somebody call in and ask about the buyout, and they basically said that unless you're going to make a big splash hire, whether it be Bob Stoops, whether it be Irvin Meyer, Lane Kiffin, if you can't make a big splash, sort of how South Carolina did with Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz, if you can't make a big yeah. splash, there's no reason to pay the buyout, which I do understand that way of thinking in a sense, but I disagree in the sense that if you know – I've always been a believer in the second you know he's not the guy, you are delaying the inevitable at that point. Like, you should go ahead, pull the trigger, have a clean – you know, have a clean slate and just move on from there. For me, in regards to the coaching search, again, this is all hypothetical because I do believe Will Muschamp will be back next year as head coach in 2020 unless South Carolina loses 70 to nothing against Clemson. But, uh, you know – I'm more so – I don't have a you know a guy like Mike Norvell or Matt Campbell. A couple of those guys come to my mind immediately. But I more so, so have a prototype type of coach. We were talking about off-air, Alex, that when Spurrier resigned, I had the same thought process. I, I thought of, you know, I don't know who's available. I don't know who we can get. But what do we need? We need a guy who's high intensity, who can recruit, who can bring toughness back to our defense. And, again, recruit the top athletes. Because that's where Spurrier was lacking those last couple of years. He just stopped recruiting. And what did we do? Right. We went and got that guy, whether, again, his background was what it was, but we got that guy. For a new coach, like, I don't necessarily need a splash hire. I'd almost rather have the unproven guy who can come in and make South Carolina his own. But a guy, my prototype is more so a young, fiery, offensive guy who's in his past or whatever, shown creativity, is going to come in, add wrinkles on offense, has a true offensive philosophy and identity he believes in, and it wants to bring that to South Carolina. Because, again, I don't want to compare it to this situation. But Dabo, or I mean, Clemson rolled the dice on Dabo Sweeney. And, I mean, I know everybody's trying to find that next guy. They're trying to find that next Nick Saban, that Dabo Sweeney thing. But we talk, you know, off-air, Alex, that the good old boy system in the SEC, for whatever reason, has run rampant. Did you, if you work for Nick Saban, you can get a head coaching job. That's pretty much what it's come down to. Give me right. a guy outside of the footprint who wants to come in, make South Carolina his own, bring some creativity, bring a true offensive identity. Someone who's had success, obviously, as an OC or something like that. But why not roll the dice on the guy? I just don't want to take another washout from another program, even if it was like a Bob Stoops. Like, he's had his run. He's had his day. And I'm not saying I would say no to Bob Stoops, but you understand what I'm saying. That Like, I think football is now moving. You look in the NFL, you're seeing this all over the place with these young offensive coaches like a Sean McVay, for example, you know, football's moving that way. Like, you see in Muschamp, again, the perfect summary of the type of guy that a defensive head coach is is kicking a field goal down 30-3. to three. That, that is a defensive head coach. <laughs> wanting, yeah. to win, wanting to win these sloppy, low-scoring games. That was a great philosophy in 2002. It really was. Like, winning 17-14, to 14, very feasible. Not in 2019. You need to score points. You look at the best teams in the country, they're averaging almost 50 points per game. Like, that is college football now. Like, it just is. Like, even with Spurrier, like, having that killer instinct, having that mindset, that is college football now. And that's really football in general. But anyways, you hear my thoughts on it. Like, are, is there a short list of guys? Like, would you rather make a splash hire? Would you rather have a kind of an unknown guy? Is there a prototype type of coach you want in? I mean, what are your thoughts? Again, it's all hypothetical because I think Will Muschamp will be back next season. But – when you think of 
the coaching search and the question everyone asks of, well, who are you going to get? Like, what is your answer to that? So I've, I've kind of two answers to it. Um, in 2015, when Spurrier hung it up, that's, I wanted to get the up and comer offensive guy that, you know, because, and, the re- and really the reason for that is because you're – Well, we, you're, we passed point, on Lincoln Riley, so just never forget that, by the way. I just – I – well, that's <laughs> just, just ruined your – I just ruined your day. Director. <laughs> just ruined I know, your day. It's just – well, no. So, like, Lincoln Riley was definitely one um, that I loved back in 2015. I loved Matt Campbell back in 2015. I like Dino Babbers, who's not, like, a young up-and-comer, but I liked him back in 2015. I really liked Scott Frost back in mm-hmm. 2015. The difference that – so it, what I was going to say there was really, like, at that point, you know, we've come – we're real close to where we were winning 11 games, 10, 11 games a year, right? So you're just kind of falling off. You can give the new guy a chance to come in and kind of resurrect what is not in the distant past. What's happened here and why I like the – I mean, assuming you get a splash hire, you've just really prolonged that an extra four years. Mm-hmm. And so now you've just had all this frustration built up where you can't get over the top. And it's like, are we going to be as patient with this person now? Mm-hmm. Right. That's my fear on the young up and comer. Now, you know, if, if you said you can go get anybody, like it, I would a hundred percent go get Irving Meyer. And if he said no, then yeah, let's look at Bob Stoops. But you know, from there, it's really, if I could go out and grab whoever I wanted, it's, you know, it's still going to be Matt Campbell, you know, Lane Kiffin, I think is an interesting fit. If nothing else, I think Josh Heupel's interesting. Um, but, you know, if you can't get one of those two guys who knows a proven national title winner or proven conference title winner, you know, I, yeah, I think you've got to go get the young up and comer. And I don't know that Lane Kiffin necessarily qualifies as a young up and comer, but he's an offensive mind that loves to recruit bring a lot of attention to the program. Whether it's you you know he would love to get back in the SEC in any way possible. He, he would love oh, it. yeah. Come on. I mean, I mean, South Carolina may not be the best job in the country, but you got to think it's better than FAU. I mean. It has to be. <laughs> you would hope but, so. I mean, I, mean, just, I mean, just the, you know, the presence that would bring to the program would be oh, yeah. a positive. It would bring you know, whether, the same type of aura that Steve Spurrier had. It, it would make yeah. – I mean, think of all – you know, you, you were there when this was happening. Like, there were a lot of times where South Carolina probably shouldn't have had a nationally televised game that they got it just because the Spurrier effect. I mean, really. Like, we were on national TV a lot. I mean – A hundred percent. Just because, we just the, because we of the, the name opening Thursday night game for like seven straight years. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's the kind of thing you're going to get with Lane Kiffin being in there. And, you know, you're not going to get that with – you know, a Matt Campbell or Josh Heupel or, you know, somebody in that same kind of vein, Mike Norvell. Um, but, you know, if we're not going to go the big splash direction, I think that's where you have to go. But, you know, it, it, like my thing would be, I'm pretty sure I've said this on here before, it would just be, look, if you're going to do this, like put the money into it, because I know you get, I mean, if, I would imagine the fan support, like, if you went out and could get Urban off the desk, would be high, I would like to think. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, looking at it, if you look at it, he's lost 32 games. I mean, he's a proven career. winner. He's the definition of a proven winner. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean. And it's like, I mean, if you paid $10 million a year to him to do that, you're going to get that back in stage. Right. 
I mean, like I, I am just, I am not opposed to the big splash hire. I guess my only point was I don't want that to be like the stipulation where it's like if you can't get the big splash, then oh don't, right, don't, right. Like yeah. I think it needs to happen either way. But I I I would yeah. I mean, I would say hey, go after that guy for like. Personally, the more you talk about it, like the more I'm like, I would love Lane Kiffin as our head coach. Can you imagine yeah. the Kiffin Sweeney bat? Like those would be unprecedented games. Like just you know his, his the way he is on social media and the way he is as a person. Like I would love nothing more. And again, he would. It's all about bringing in a coach that gives South Carolina football fans hope again. And like whatever you can do to make South Carolina football interesting again like the reason South Carolina football got to where it was those 2010 to 2013 is like it was cool to go to South Carolina at that point it was cool to be a Gamecock like Steve Spurrier made it that like you need to get somebody but you know right now Will Muschamp has made it a joke that's what it feels like it's it's a laughing stock it's a national joke I mean the the SEC network broadcast you know just I, I said on the Monday show like I feel like Ray Tanner just completely botched this whole statement thing. Like they're, they're even on the broadcast. Like, why did he say that? Like, that's pretty much what they were saying. Like, why would you come out and say this? Like basically if you have, if you have to come out and say something with two, three games left, two games left, whatever, like there are huge problems. Like nobody comes out and releases a statement for a coach that's doing really well. I mean, it's just no, you know, no, it's well, that's a crazy. Good point. And I'll ask you this question off of it just because of, okay, so we've got that botched statement by Tanner on the backside of that you've got Kaslin making the statements he made to uh, Greenville News mm-hmm. yep. and kind of his track record with head, co- head coaches under his watch that weren't successful and then you know on the backside of that you got the board of trustees out there allegedly trying to get Brad Edwards <laughs> to come back in as AD it, it so, is it's like, a shit it, show for lack of a better word it's not it's not good it's not yeah. good um but you know kind of with all that on the periphery what makes you think that he's back no matter what uh, i just from this it doesn't sound like they want to pay the buyout i mean it just to me personally i mean again if they lose 56 to 7 to Clemson which I'm going to tell you right now, my gun-to-head prediction just, you know, off the cuff, which I'll give an official prediction next week, but I've got 49 to 10, somewhere in that number. Like, I, I think it's going to be a blowout. Um, you think we get 10? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to be optimistic. But, you know, I don't I, – you know what I really think it is, man? I don't want to allow myself to become optimistic that he is going to get let go. Like, I'm almost – I'm preparing myself for him to come back. So – Again, unless it's some bloodbath against Clemson, which it very well could be. I mean, I I have more stronger feelings that Tanner's gone after this season than, than Will Muschamp is. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, if they, if they pulled the trigger, that would be great. I mean, because I, I think Castlin is a no-nonsense type of dude. Um, you know, I, I his comments to the Greenville News, like you mentioned, were very interesting. Just basically saying, he is my head coach through the end of this season, and then we will reevaluate. Yeah. Like, that – that was that was very telling. That was not exactly reassuring. Of that was not a gleaming review, if you put it put it nicely. Like I, I don't, I, I found those comments very interesting. But just everything I've heard, it doesn't sound like South Carolina really wants to pay the buyout. Um, you know, so again, I'm not getting my hopes up. That's really the only the only reason I'm drawing the conclusion of I think he will be he will be back next year. Like I just I don't even want to get my hopes up, but. There's going to yeah. be some tough decisions to make. I mean, if he is back, they're going to have to clean house basically with the assistants. And I, I always just come back to one. I, I, I think Will Muschamp is the problem. I don't think bringing in a new OC will solve anything. And then when you do bring in a new OC, 
who are you going to get? I mean, who, who – it's yeah. going to be harder to get a new OC than it is a new head coach at this point because yeah. who's going to want to come work for a guy? Like, what competent, high-level OC is going to want to come work for a guy that they know his head's on the chopping block? They know this is probably a one-year stint unless things really take off in 2020, which when you look at who's returning and the schedule, like, there's no reason to believe this team goes any better than five and seven next year under, under Will Muschamp's leadership. So – I just don't want to get my think, hopes up, you know, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I mean, I get that from the standpoint, you know, obviously nobody just wants to hand him and that I, and I've, of money. And I've said on record multiple times that I don't, I don't think Ray Tanner has the stones to, to fire Will Muschamp. That's his hire and, you know, his – and he, Ray Tanner's a coach's AD. Like, and I, I love Ray. I've said this before. It hurts me to say all these things because I love Ray. I'm a baseball guy. I love Ray. But he's not a good AD. Um. So if it does happen, it'll be castling. It'll be – and like, you know, like you just mentioned, though, the Board of Trustees stuff that's been happening has been wild. I mean, that has been – I don't know how he could even come – like, I don't know how Will Muschamp could come back at this point because the chatter will only get worse if Clemson beats the hell out of you, which is probably going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's only yeah. going to get worse. Like, I said this after App State. App State is a worse loss on paper – just because, I mean, they're in the sum, like they're not even on the same level as you. But a big loss to Clemson at home will cause more commotion from the USC fan base and then the board of trustees. And just because it's Clemson, it moves the needle. It'll be more embarrassing. These people will have to deal with this directly from their friends, their family, right. coworkers. Like it has way more of an impact. So I don't know. I mean, it, again, it's going to be up to Castle. I don't know how much champ at this point can return because he pretty much knows that everybody's lost faith in him. Like, it's not a secret. You know what I mean? He can say in his post-game pressers that, I don't hear anything the public says. Like, you know, the stat, the, the uh, Ray Tanner and Bob Castle, they, they have support him. Like, you know, they support. And, like, I don't hear any outside noise. That is complete bullshit. Like, this is a dude that's on Twitter. Yeah. Like, he hears it. He definitely hears it. So, um, I mean, he has to. I mean, I think, I mean, to your – I mean, if you were going to keep him, or let's say, I, I think you're correct in that, you know, with the board of directors or board of trustees stuff coming out that they're trying to put somebody else in there, I would tell you that the sand is almost out of that hourglass for Tanner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you did bring somebody else in there and you didn't want to pay the buyout, I think when you're talking about, like, who do you get as offensive coordinator, I think what you'd have to, like, task your athletic director with or new incoming athletic director with would be, you know, you've got to get somebody – and I'm not saying we should get either one of these guys, but, you know, somebody in the Bobby Petrino, Chad Morris, mm-hmm. OC yeah. vein who's been a head coach, and you just have to go to Will and say, look, if I hear one whiff of you being involved in any offensive meetings, that's going <laughs> to be grounds for termination. And then, like – or you just, like, force him to yeah. hate it and he leaves. And, like – I, in, in no way, it, shape, or form. It sounds silly, but it's the is, truth. It's the truth. Yeah. And it, it, that's a waste of everybody's time to mm-hmm. do that. Both of those guys are currently unemployed, so they might do it. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's not really them trying to get back in. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it is a way for them to get back in. Who knows? But I think absent doing something like that, or you can have a very strong-willed person, be that offensive coordinator who would tell him to go take a hike if he tried to get involved. You're just going to rinse and repeat this thing. 
Right. No, I agree. I agree hundred percent. All right. We're going to wrap it up, Alex. One last question though, before I let you go, and we're, we're going to talk about this next week, obviously, but I'm going to leave you with one question. Does South Carolina even have 1% chance of keeping the game close with Clemson in two weeks? Define close. <laughs> well, I ex- like was last year close. <laughs> well, a lot of people would say it was, even though you lost by twenty-one. Um, I, you know, I would. I don't even know. That's a great question. So you 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 asked me a question back that I don't really know the answer to. I mean, I think within twenty-one would be close. I at this point, I do. Okay, so we'll we'll look at it like this. No, but. If you scored, I mean, I don't think you're going to keep it within 21. Um, you could backdoor your way into it. Like where, you know, if they're up 49 to 10 right, and right, they put right. in their third teamers and we score a couple of touchdowns, yeah, you could right. do that. Like at this first, point, I feel I like if we, score, if we score 20, it's like a major victory. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we get three touchdowns. That's a huge victory. We haven't scored 20 in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> We we I haven't think, I mean, I we haven't scored more. we haven't scored more than twenty eight against an FBS opponent uh, all season. So I mean, and, one, and then one last note I'll leave you on because Alex, this blew my mind. Out of the seven losses this year, five of those losses have come by double digits. Four of those losses have come by twenty or more points. Just hard to I mean, it's hard to stomach. It's it's hard to fathom. Like I understand getting beat, losing your starting quarterback, all that other stuff, but. To me, there's just no there's no excuse. There's no excuse for those type of results in year four Will Machine. But we're gonna put a pin in it. No. We'll, we'll, we will we will chat on it next time. Alex, appreciate you as always. Well, actually, hey, before ahead, you jump off, like a more fun prop question, maybe. Uh, does Chase Bryce have more touchdowns <laughs> than our offense does in two weeks? Oh, it's it's damn near a possibility. Damn near impossible. <laughs> That's the sad part. But, Alex, appreciate the time, man. We will talk more on Clemson Carolina, obviously, next week as it will officially be Clemson game week. But uh, appreciate you as always, my man. Look forward to it next week. Sounds good, buddy. Are you working? All right, perfect. So, for Alex McGrath, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show. <laughs> boy, 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 what is it you want to do when you grow up?